Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name. And we're still here. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Assemble! I just wanted to yell because welcome to another episode of In the Can, part of the Barnburner Podcast Network, where we discuss movies, or as the snooty assholes of the world like to call them, films. This is Ew. the Chief, and I am joined with my my good friend Sweaty Freddy, and Kansas City Brett is back, man. He's back in the house to talk Avengers Infinity War, the new Marvel spectacle, uh, the newest film of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And perhaps the culmination of the, the 18 movies that have come before uh, and have all these characters together to tackle a, a big baddie dude uh, who we'll talk about later. Um, but this is a big deal. This is a, this is the big summer popcorn movie of this summer. And certainly one of the, already has been one of the biggest openings in the history of movies. In fact, it toppled Star Wars today uh, for the b- uh, biggest first weekend. So it's been a wild weekend for popcorn and, uh, and cinema entertainment. So what have you been doing, Brett? How are you been? I've been pretty good. I've been keeping busy, uh, getting out of the country, you know, just to prepare for this movie, just to to take my mind off of opening weekend, to give myself something to think about. But I was back and then uh, came back and saw that movie. What about you, Sweaty Freddy? You got any good memes for us, dude? <laughs> I, I've been cooking up some memes, thinking about what I can use from this uh, recent viewing. I think you got some good potential here. I think so, too. Uh, so <laughs> we are, of course, talking about uh, 2018's Avengers Infinity War, which is the uh, part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And it is part one, importantly, of a two part Infinity War saga. Um, and then, you, you know, of course, there, there's been individual movies like Iron Man, um, Thor, Captain America. And there's been the Avengers movies, which kind of bring all the characters together uh, and, and kind of make it an ensemble superhero movie. Um, but this one has been a long time coming. And in fact, they've hinted it like a lot of what's happened in this movie. I feel like for movies and movies and movies and the post credit scenes and whatnot, 
Uh, but I'll give you a quick, quick plot description. So the Avengers uh, have, uh, have come together again to protect the world from a threat that is all too large, which is always the case. You need not one superhero, but like a billion of them uh, to fight usually wh- whatever comes next. So this new danger has emerged. Uh, his name is Thanos. He is a titan, which uh, maybe one of y'all can weigh in on what the hell that is. Uh, he's usually an alien, and his goal is to collect uh, the Infinity Stones, hence why it's called Infinity War. And these Infinity Stones are like really magical gems that each each does a different thing. Each has a separate power. Uh, and once you get all of them and put them in this gauntlet, which is like a glove, a big silver glove, a swagged out glove, then you, you have, you're essentially a god. And so his goal is to wipe out half of humanity. Well, not just humanity, but like half the universe's population because he feels that everything's overcrowded. Um, so the Avengers, is, this is what they've been leading up to. This is the, the huge test for them. They're broken apart after the events of Civil War, and, uh, and now they're going to be challenged individually and then as a collective unit as they face Thanos. Uh, how do you all feel? Do you all feel that's a good plot description? Yeah. Shocked us in silence there. <laughs> you managed to compress 18 years or 10 years, 18 movies into uh, one minute. So nice job. Uh, compressing 10 years into one minute is my middle name. <laughs> Uh, okay, so let's talk about the, the directors. So the, the directors are the Ruth, Russo brothers, um, and they have directed, I think, four or five of these movies. They start, the, the first movie they directed was, I think, uh, Captain America uh, Winter Soldier, and that movie did so well and kind of got good reviews, and everyone said, okay, this is when Marvel's kind of taking a shift to be a little bit more of like a adult, you know, tackle some weighty themes, I guess. And so then they, they, they let them do Civil War, and then they were like, well, you guys are, you know, you guys are good. So we'll let you handle the Infinity War movies, too. Um, interestingly, did not go with Joss Whedon, who directed the first Avengers and Age of Ultron. Uh, have you, do you all know why that uh, Joss Whedon kind of had a falling out with Marvel? I don't know anything about that. Me either. The director gossip is never really my category. Hmm. I think yeah, he's I, reviving. I think he's busy reviving Firefly. But yeah, oh, yeah. So. you heard it here first. Uh, and he's also busy, like making a terrible movie, like Justice League. Um, maybe even more terrible. I almost would have rather had the Zack Snyder one, but, uh, but this isn't a Justice out. League bass session. This is a yeah. Avengers. Stay crisis. focused. My bad. Uh, so yeah, so they, they're the directors. They've they've kind of been some of the consistent threads throughout these Marvel movies. Yeah. So what was y'all's first thoughts? Like, I mean, this has been a huge buildup. And, and so you knew this was going to be coming out, and I'm sure y'all were looking forward to it. So what were your first thoughts when you saw the trailers and sort of the build-up to it? How were you feeling about the movie? Brett, what do you got? I'm just I'm super pessimistic all the time about these because, like you said, I've been reading the comics since I was a little kid. Uh, so every movie that comes out, I'm like, man, I hope they don't ruin this. And then, lo and behold, they figured out how to not ruin it and make it awesome. So uh, when this came out, because it was the culmination, we've been waiting years and years and years for this, I had... I set my expectations really low. I'm going to go ahead and say they were shattered. Wow. Have you been able to pick up all your expectations off the floor? Or yeah, they I'm, piecing them, together. I'm piecing yeah. them together for this next one. For this, yeah. The, uh, <laughs> yeah. Part two. Yeah. And so why were you pessimistic about these movies? Like what? Because you've been, you've been failed in the do. past? It's, well, it's a hard thing to do. Civil War. So I didn't read Infinity War, but I've read Civil War. I have... I have the compendium. I have so many Civil War comics. That was a, a big one that I really enjoyed. And that one was kind of a letdown of a movie for me. Um, so I didn't want to go into it feeling the same way as as Civil War, even though that wasn't an Avengers movie. But, they took that plot in a really different direction. It, it really threw me off. Yeah. Like when compared to the comics. Yep. Civil War, you mean? Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, I mean, and, all and of them have been pretty different from the comics, but. And that's the problem too. I mean, the, I, what I feel like, that's why I've almost purposely steered clear of the comics uh, because it, I just kind of wanted to treat it just like movies, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously if you, if you read them before any of this, then you can't do anything about that. But uh, so that's been good. And then I should also mention too, Freddie and I rewatched all of the MCU movies, probably in like a 20 day span. So we watched like 18 movies in 20 days <laughs> and we had to do multiple double, uh, double features and ended up going to see Black Panther again in theaters the night before Infinity War. So we did the whole thing and it was a lot of fun. Uh, I highly recommend doing that. And not only for maybe part two of this, but it gives you really good context for all the jokes, the in-universe jokes, kind of the relationships of the characters. And it certainly makes each movie better when you look at it as a whole universe, um, which is obviously their intention, but I didn't expect it to be as good as it was the way we did it. So if you have 40 hours lying around, you know, just uh, just give them a watch. <laughs> Do it. Freddie, what were your expectations going leading up to this movie? I was excited. Uh, I very much have been a man of faith for the MCU, but I generally I just receive things more positively when it comes to like watching movies. My first instinct is never to find what, what I thought was wrong with a movie. Um, so, yeah, I was very much drinking the Kool-Aid, <laughs> and, and I was really excited about it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we're, Thanos ha- surely has good purple Kool-Aid. I imagine that's why he is purple. <laughs> purple drink. Yeah. <laughs> I think that was invented on Titan. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, so I'm more like in line with Brad, I guess. I'm definitely more pessimistic when it comes to these movies, which, I mean, and mostly they're good. So yeah, yeah. I know when I walk out of one whether or not I liked it. Like, mm-hmm. overall, I know whether or not I enjoyed it, and then I have to figure out, like, where it's going to come in on the whole pantheon of all of them. And you really don't know that for a little while, so you can let it settle in. But this one I was really, really hating on leading up to it. And Freddie can attest to this. Freddie actually said he wasn't going to see this movie with me because he thought I would just, like, crap on it. Like, just insanely, an insane amount. So I've, I take issues with a lot of CGI. Um, and when, when it's, like, basically a video game with, like, a few shots of, like, real people in front of green screen, screen it just really bothers me. And... Uh, I know they managed to get kind of human performances and they have a lot of good actors in these movies, but usually a lot of CGI is really distracting to me and it, it can't let me engage in it. Cause I know nothing's happening. Like they're not in a real place ever. Uh, like even if they had, I feel like even if they're like in a jungle, like in these movies, they just they won't, they won't go to shoot it on, yeah. on location. They'll shoot it like in a soundstage with green screen. It's like, well, you couldn't, I realize like alien planets that don't really exist. You have to, <laughs> you have to shoot it in front of a green screen, but they will just take shortcuts. I feel like when they could create a more natural experience, but that I just mean so being the, a cinemaphile uh, asshole. But so the opening battle, Thanos versus Hulk on a spaceship, was probably a little rough for you there, huh? No, see that works because that I mean because that was a set like they were on a, a spaceship set, which you know, so they were in a place that a tactile place that existed, and I realized like, and you know, kind of in line with this Thanos being an entirely CGI villain, like those are always kind of laughable to me. Like, like Steppenwolf was a really bad setup to Thanos, you know, like from uh, the, the villain in justice yeah, league. I was like, justice Oh shit. League. Like this guy is an absolute clown. And if Thanos <laughs> is, you know, even like it all like this, and I just won't be able to take the stake seriously. Just the idea of a CGI character acting, like having emotional scenes and crying is really mm-hmm. funny to me. Like just the idea of it. Uh, so I was not, I was excited about it. Like, and I definitely, upon watching all the movies again, it was awesome. Like got me super pumped about it. And I liked all of them more the second time watching them or however many, I've seen them all like different amounts of times, but um, so was not looking forward to it a ton uh, until rewatching them. But then, you know, was overall very entertained throughout the movie. So what are y'all's, uh, if you, let's do the in the can patented one sentence, 
no conjunction review, even though Brett last time refused to do this. <laughs> Uh, because I don't think he was smart enough to come up with a no conjunction sentence. So he acted like he was challenging the process, but uh, you know, let me hear Freddie, Freddie, what do you got? Man. Uh. <laughs> That's it, man. Uh. <laughs> yeah, there we go. <laughs> Brett. Uh, the movie about Thanos that you didn't know you needed. <laughs> That's good. That's true. Uh, and, and we can get more into that later, but it really is. It really is Thanos's movie. I, I didn't expect it to be so Thanos centric. Yeah, uh, which I think ended up working. And whereas he could have just been a giant CGI, really powerful guy, they made it, you know, they kind of tackled the, the, the emotional themes of what's going on with him and his motivations. Um, mine is just like, mine is joyous escapism with laughs, cries, and that's it. I can't, you, I can't, I was going to add an and, but then I realized I'd be breaking my own rule. So with laugh cries is how that laugh cries. Yeah. Uh, I, I would, you know, it was, it was an when you say, movie. when you say laugh cries like that, it makes me think you're crying so hard that you're laughing. So what if I or say you're cry so laugh? Hard that you're crying. Sorry. Okay. Yeah, I mean that. Yeah. What I'm saying is there was sadness, there was there was happiness, and there was every combination therein. So what is uh what what are some okay is this the is this the goat Marvel movie is this is this is this either of y'all's favorite Marvel movie? Mm, too early to say, but probably not. Okay. Yeah, we can put this too early to say caveat because I understand we've got to let it soak in in mm-hmm. the context of everything. Yeah, that's a tough one. You put it in your top five, either of you. Yeah, I think so. Mm. Yeah, I guess it could snake to the bottom of the top five for sure. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I don't think it's in my top five, but it's probably in the top ten. And I, But I've got to let it sit. And also, it's kind of weird because it's a part one, and that's sort of where a lot mm. of criticism of the movie comes across is that it feels a little bit like Deathly Hallows part one, Harry Potter, uh, you know, when they split the seventh book into two movies and like the – people complained about part one being a cliffhanger and it was like, well, yeah, that's like exactly what it was supposed to be. Yeah. Um, but it's weird how like people clown on this for being a cliffhanger, but then like an empire strikes back, for instance, is like a masterpiece yeah. and it's the classic I don't cliffhanger. Know if you can call this one a cliffhanger. I mean, it, I don't think it's technically it's a classic it, every, yeah. cliffhanger Te- world. Technically everything resolved. I mean, technically everything resolves. Yeah. I mean, like they could literally say, all right, no more movies. Yeah. Yeah. Thanos one. Thanos was yeah. the protagonist. Thanos I mean, he. It, I guess that's true. it's not a cliff cliffhanger. He he did what he was going to do. He's done. They could mm-hmm. choose to live with that. They could choose to live with that. So that could be the end of the story. But we know yeah. they're not going to choose to live with that. Is the thing, and that's why we say cliffhanger. Yeah, and and, and it does. And we'll, and we'll talk more about the maybe the undercutting of the way the ending went down, um, mm-hmm. and how how it may not be as you know solid as like it, it maybe it should be, or you know some of the stakes were missing there, but. Uh, it's true. It is Thanos' movie, and he is a protagonist. That's a that's a great way to look at it, and certainly I hadn't thought of it that way. What were some uh, some themes y'all noticed in this movie? Uh, any different than maybe some of the other Marvel movies, or was it was it sort of the same old uh, Marvel stuff? They're trying to tell people to have, quit having babies. That's what it is. That's the underlying theme. <laughs> no, that's true. Yeah, it's the actually, subliminal, yeah. subliminal Marvel yeah. birth control. Uh, what is it, 42 and counting, or how many kids? <laughs> yeah, 18 <laughs> counting. Knock yeah. it off. Yeah, Thanos would definitely go for those people too first. Too many. Man. He would go for there, and then he'd go straight to Salt Lake, Salt Lake City, I feel like. Yeah, he'd like, make an example yeah. out of those people. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. What about you, Brad? You got any themes? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> nope. It was, it was definitely just an epic, like, culmination. Like you said, I don't know. Like, they didn't have room to really introduce too many 
new characters and they introduced uh peter dinklage which i think was a, a week let's dive in on that are we yeah. about to get savage uh I, you know i i don't know dude you go ahead we'll decide how savage you get <laughs> i think to me peter dinklage it looked really awkward well, here's the deal. Okay, so yeah. I get a text from Brad after he sees it. Yeah. And, and, uh, and he, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and, and he said, his, like, review of it was, like, it was great. I need to see it again, except Peter Dinklage. Like, he, he referenced Peter Dinklage as, like, the one negative standout. Mm-hmm. Um, and for those that don't know, Peter Dinklage is in the movie, and he plays a, a giant, like a literal. And, of course, Peter Dinklage is Tyrion in Game of Thrones. He's a, he's a, a little person. And so they, they ironically cast him in a part that, where he's a giant. Um, and I don't know what's his character's name and what's his character's like history or whatever. Uh, Etri, I think, is his name. And he's part of a race of giant dwarfs who have made the Asgardian weapons. Um, and it's supposed to be made out of like a, a comet. Like Mjolnir was made out of special metal from a comet. And they have to forge it in a dying, the heart of a dying star, which doesn't make any sense to me, but that was a whole lot. Yeah. But did you say he's a giant dwarf? Yeah. That's what he, like, <laughs> they live on an oxymoron planet. Yeah. Yeah. Get, yeah. What the hell they is are, that? They are dwarves, but he'd say, obviously. Well, how? <laughs> that is a, okay. Well, so maybe, so maybe he was an accurate <laughs> casting then. Brett, do you remember if the dwarves are that are actually giant in the comics? No, no, I don't believe that they. I think that they're. I didn't think so not, either. Yeah. They're like that. Really threw me like off. Dungeons and Dragons dwarves. That's what they're. Well, he shows up, and the the, the point in this move, the, the, this point, Thor is after another weapon, a weapon that could potentially kill Thanos. So this is like Thor and Rocket's little subplot adventure, and uh, and and so you know they show up at this planet. It looks abandoned. They have this kind of moment where they're sneaking around. Suddenly, they get confronted by you know giant Peter Dinklage. And it was really distracting for like a number of reasons, mm-hmm. you know, not limited to, to the, the fact that he is in fact a midget you know, and, and he's playing a giant. So they kept using like tricky camera tricks to like make him look bigger. Um, and then he talked too. Brett kind of already alluded to this, but his voice was outrageous. Like, it's like they said, Hey, like try to do like a Creed voice or something. He was like, yeah, like I'm going to make <laughs> a hammer, blah, 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 blah. Like it, it, it was there was the yeah, joke earlier about like Star Lord doing a lower voice to try to match with Thor, yeah. and but like it looked like like he was actually doing that. Like Dinklage was doing it for real acting. So yeah, very distracting part. Uh, I didn't like his costume design either. It just none of that worked for me. So very distracting, and and I mean, in a, in a movie where otherwise like all the castings almost entirely home runs, and, and really just the whole universe, uh, it, it's it's weird when they don't get it right, and you wonder what mm-hmm. the purpose of that was. Like what. I realize like he's a famous actor right now and he's like, he's kind of a hot commodity in Hollywood just because of mostly Thrones popularity, but it was just a weird decision. I'm not uh, even critical just... of the casting so much as the way he must've been directed to portray the character. Yeah. You could, you chalk up to the director's fault too. Uh, the way it came across was not good. I felt like, and more distracting right. than positive. So what, what were y'all's, what were y'all's, that was wanting to be your least favorite part of the movie, but what, what were some things that stood out to you is like, not only good in terms of a movie, but good for, you know, this part of the MCU. I mean, potentially it frees up some new castings. Like yeah, there's been 10 years and I'm, this is all over the internet. I have avoided reading other people's reviews or watching them or anything. Um, just cause I wanted to get my own thoughts on it prior to this, but mm-hmm. like it, it, you know, they kill off half the characters. They either open it up for like the originals to finish it off the way that they started it. 
um, or for those roles to be recast. Like like Spider-Man, Miles Morales is Spider-Man in the comic books, and uh, Donald Glover mentions his nephew, who's Miles Morales, in the Spider-Man movie. Um, mm-hmm. So it opens it up for maybe him to come in. Um, we're still waiting to see Adam Warlock from Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Um, Doctor Strange has been prayed, portrayed by multiple characters in the comic books. Uh, so like, and he's gone now too. So, and Black Panther, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I think it's always been T'Challa. Um, I thought Sherry takes it over. I, I've read some of that. I thought that Sherry, Sherry. is sister. Well, I mean, that would so make that, sense because of the yeah. lineage thing. But. Yeah. I mean, yeah. and she's still around and he's not. So yeah, I think it definitely opens him up to surprise us or to, I guess, fulfill the hardcore fans. Uh, Do you think they'll ever be brave enough to bring Doctor Voodoo in? No. So. <laughs> Who the hell is that guy, Doctor Voodoo? Are you he serious? Over his, like, is he so from New Orleans? Eventually, Doctor Strange becomes Sorcerer Supreme, which is what the Ancient One was. And I then, thought he is that. Po- no, no Doctor, not yet. Oh. Yeah. So eventually, but eventually, he gives that up after he accepts it, and then Doctor Voodoo takes over as the new Sorcerer Supreme. Yeah. And he's basically well, that- this black Voodoo practicing character who is now the new Master of Mystic Arts. Yeah. And there's a whole like series of trying to find the new Doctor Strange. And um, so they like go to all these different magic characters. And one of them's like son of Satan. He's a pot potential. And there's just all these characters. I think Ghost Rider is like on the list of potentially the new Doctor him Strange. In there. Yeah, so that, it opens that, up for Nick Cage to join the MCU. <laughs> to, to, uh, but like, oh, man, that'd be awesome. Yeah, there's there's a lot of potential out there that they could mess with. Well, and I want to talk about the ending too, like separately. But I, one thing I really enjoyed about the the movie itself was how well they gave each character something to do. Um, the biggest criticism I had of the Last Jedi was they did, they did a great job of that too. But some of the storylines, like really, just like like for instance, the Finn storyline oh, going to the casino, playing it. Yeah, like it, you know, it, it it he needed something to do, but like you didn't really care about that that much. Like, and it didn't have as many stakes, and like really, they didn't do anything. They didn't accomplish anything. Um, and it was just a product of having so many characters and having to find important things for everyone to do. Uh, and that's tough to do from a writer or director standpoint. In this movie, I was like, holy shit, how are they going to do that? Like, I don't understand how it's going to work without being just absurd and, and, and obvious, but they thought they did an excellent job. Like everyone got a, a moment to shine, so to speak. Like all the, you know, the fan favorites had good lines and good moments and the, the way they meshed the characters and the way they put them together. It was like really cool how they gave them, all little subplots to go on and they put characters you never would have expected to be together together. Like I never expected Thor and rocket to have a mission, you know? Yeah. That's yeah. Like crazy. would not have called that at all. Guessed it going in, but, but they had we like, a, yeah. yeah he kept, I love how everyone calls him a different thing. Like everyone's like, like uh, guesses what animal he is and they're always wrong. <laughs> um, so yeah, that was one thing I really liked about it and, and something that people, a lot of people have said was a positive of it. Uh, and, and yeah, I mean, there wasn't a plot line where I was like, Except the Peter Dinklage one was a little bit like man, but Hemsworth I thought was awesome in this movie. So just him being there was you know enough for me to be engaged. Freddie, do you have any any things you really liked about it? Mm, yes, <laughs> <laughs> I have a lot. I have a lot of things that I, that I did like about it. I thought the action that we got was better than any we had had so far. Um, I was really looking forward to that. Just the the brawl of it all. Yeah, and with, um, this movie too was so action packed. It was literally just one giant set piece. Like a little bit of dialogue between scenes. Like I I called this a mile out that they were going to use Hulk to demonstrate Thanos' physical prowess. Mm -hmm. Um, And I thought they executed that really well. 
he like Hulk clearly had a strength advantage when it came to brute force, but then he kind of tactically took him apart bit by bit with punches that were like a little too much for even the Hulk to, to just tank. Yeah, that was cool. I mean, I guess there was a lot of fan service. Um, it, it seems like I don't I don't know what parts are in the comics and what parts aren't, but certainly a lot of like in universe MCU service was had. A lot of the jokes were very dependent on having seen all the movies like enough to know the dialogue because mm-hmm. you know the, there was like a the one I really love the running gags yeah, yeah one thing that came, comes to mind is like rocket you know when he sees the uh, winter soldier's new vibranium arm he's like <laughs> yeah. i'm gonna get that arm like, <laughs> and you know it's because like he has this obsession with limbs in the past two movies there's been a joke and the fact that made yeah. it into this like that would make no sense to you if you hadn't seen guardians one and two like a couple times yeah he, he likes the idea of of he likes to imagine the person without their prosthetic walking around <laughs> without it. Right. Uh, that, that, that is really funny. Uh, so let's, so let's talk about the ending. So you, Brett's already kind of talked about it, but the movie ends with Thanos winning. Like he literally accomplishes his goal that he set out to do. He collects all the infinity stones and he snaps his fingers, thus eradicating half the universe appears to be random. How the infinity gauntlet decides who dies and who doesn't, which kind of seems like Thanos's goal. he, and, and Freddie and I have talked about this, but it seems like throughout the movie, and y'all can weigh in on this, that he, Thanos doesn't want to kill anybody specifically. He doesn't seem like he's obviously genocidal, but he doesn't ever kill anyone unnecessarily unless it's totally random. Like uh, there's multiple times where he's attacked by the heroes, the Avengers, and he has the gauntlet. And he could just like totally murk them, but he doesn't. Um, and and I, I thought that was interesting. I don't know if that if that's why I mean the practical reason is because they, he can't just kill everyone. Cause then there wouldn't be any more movie. But uh, I was wondering his motivations there. Like one instance that comes to mind is when the guardians are rushing him and he like turns them into like little cubes or whatever uh, with the, with one of the stones and you know, and he doesn't kill them on nowhere. I think that's where they are. Yeah. Like, why do you mm-hmm. do that? Like, why don't you just kill him? He killed him later. Yeah. But when it was random yeah. and that's what I'm saying. Right. Yeah. Clearly, yeah, he didn't demonstrate to be just a, to a discriminating killer. Like he didn't seem to especially want to kill people, even though he did say that line about "I do so enjoy this or that." Right. Well, well so it's yeah. The movie ends. Is. He snaps his fingers, and then half the people uh, on on everywhere die, and including many of our heroes. And so we, the audience, are treated to like a montage, like a Sarah McLaughlin montage of like <laughs> various heroes like melting away into gray dust, uh, and and in fact. Uh, they were heroes that you would not have thought. I had a lot of money on Stark and uh, Cap- Tony Stark slash Iron Man and Steve Rogers slash Captain America uh, biting it in this movie. And they are both still alive. Uh, and whereas Spider-Man, uh, Tom Holland, the new, the, the, the new Spider-Man that just got introduced, and Black Panther, perhaps the most popular mm-hmm. MCU character that just made a shit Man. ton of money in his movie, those two characters die. Uh, much to the chagrin of everyone who was definitely expecting them to live, which, you know, we can talk about how that was probably a purposeful decision and maybe maybe not be permanent. What were y'all's immediate thoughts about that, just the way that was handled? And did it work for you? Did it did it resonate? Were you in tears? Were you pissed? Explain to me your emotional whirlwind. I was really surprised, um, like you. But then I think uh, seeing that happen to characters I know they're going to use in the future kind of discredited it to me. Like, it didn't have as much weight as I think it could have. But that's not fair because I'm not supposed to know that outside the story. I just do. That's just my take on it. What about you, Brett? Yeah. So both times I saw it, the second time was definitely more impactful. The first time I saw it, 
I didn't really know what to expect. Like I, I figured Thanos was going to win and c- accomplish his mission just because he does in the comic books. And then like the whole, he does it because he wants to court death as an equal and she rejects him after he accomplishes it. And then everything kind of gets reset. Like she lovingly fixes it all, I think um, in the comics. And then, uh, so I figured he was going to actually win. I was interested to see who was going to get away. It really looked for a minute like Tony Stark was going to bite it on Titan, and then Doctor Strange saves him. So obviously in the future that he saw, like the one future that he saw, I think obviously Tony's a, a key player, whether it's to die at a later date or whatever. But um, So that was it was pretty, like, I think they did it pretty well, like throwing you one way and then throwing you the other, and all of a sudden some fan favorites die off. The second time I saw it at the end, some guy in the theater shouted bullshit. Like, <laughs> like, like out of rage. Like he was yeah. really pissed off. So it was, it was cool to see that they could do that to some to people. Like, and I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the ending much better the second time that I saw it. I was going to ask what was the movie better the second time? I, so the first time I saw it, I loved the first hour, just seeing all the characters back in, seeing them all do their thing, get back together, seeing the team ups and everything. Love the first hour. The second time I saw it, like the last 40 minutes to me were just awesome. So I don't know if I just didn't appreciate it enough the first time, but the second time I was like, I was into it, especially when Thor comes back. Like that's mm. one of the most epic parts. Ooh, of the whole that was movie, badass. Yeah. yeah I, I, was, I was hype when that happened. Yeah. Man. They play the victory music and uh, like the Avengers victory music that you hear at the end of all the, when it's like, duh, 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 duh. Yeah. yeah. And it was pretty, pretty sweet. Where was he? Where was he when they were fighting Thanos? That's my big question. That's my, my big question of the whole movie at the end. Oh, when you mean like when they're, when they're all like, he's batting them off like flies one at a time. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. Or it comes flying in after everybody else has been defeated. And I don't yeah. like that. That was weird. Uh, and, and he, he almost wins, you know, he, he, he effectively does. He throws a new hammer and, uh, basically almost cleaves Thanos in half. And great you, think, line. you think you're, you, you think you're about to, you think your heroes are about to win again and all is going to be great. But then Thanos says, you know, you should have gone for the neck and then snaps his fingers. And I was like, Oh, shit. like that was yeah, a great line. Like a, that was, Oh yeah. That was a, that was a great line and a great moment. One, so, and it was a good Josh Brolin. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we can talk. I just want to get this point into like the, the reason the ending didn't resonate with me too, is, is as much as it should have is because, one, I guess, yes. Like, I mean, I feel like as a casual audience goer, maybe it would have been better because I wouldn't have known as much as I know about just the whole MCU and like Disney and the shareholders meetings announcements of like which movies are coming out. Um, so if I just was just like a person without the Internet, I guess, like uh, you know, like or that did never really looked into this stuff, I could have appreciated it more for like the moment. But the fact that there's a second movie you know, coming out, part two, that uh, means like it can't be over, obviously. And the fact that right before he completes his mission. He uses the time stone to do exactly what he's, what's definitely going to happen in part two. Uh, the time stone, he, you can literally, Dr. Strange has it in the Dr. Strange movie. You can turn back time. So you can undo deaths. You can undo everything. And so Thanos, like as he's trying to get the mind stone out of vision's forehead, uh, instead of letting him, letting him do that, Scarlet, Witch decides to kill her love. And they set up this whole like love story between them two. And so it's even harder for her to do it. So she has to like use her powers to destroy the mind stone and also kill vision but they do it for the greater good. So she does it. She kills her love. And then, uh, and then Thanos brings, turns back time, kills vision anyway, and takes the stone uh, and, and then snaps his fingers and then everyone dies. Uh, and so the whole time people were dying, 
I was like, they literally just used the time stone to do that. So that's just what they're going to do. I thought that was like, I wish that they hadn't have almost reminded me. I mean, obviously I would have thought about it later, but the fact that it was like so right there, it, it kind of like it cheapened it even more for me. Um, and especially because all the characters died that you definitely know aren't fully dead. Like you just know it. I did like the whole Dr. Strange seeing like 14 million futures and uh, there's only one in which they win. And, and so like you see, you know, when he hands the, when he hands over the stone, he says, we're, we're in the end game now, Tony, um, you know, when he gives over the stone to save Tony's life when Thanos is about to kill him. Uh, I thought that was cool. And it like, it, it was a cool, like, uh, it'll be cool to see how they play it out. Like, it'll be cool to see what Dr. Strange saw and how it was supposed to play out and how they win. Cause it doesn't make damn sense to me. I'll tell you that. Can you imagine how exhausting that must've been to look through all those futures? Yeah. <laughs> like just <laughs> the smallest detailed decision could be like divert the uh timelines and having to watch yourself die like 14 million times i mean i know you already did that with the the demon guy uh but i think there's whole movies about that about what time travel what do you mean (laughs) like like premiere and uh lots of uh time like looper yeah (laughs) apparently it was a not funny joke about (laughs) could you imagine how exhausting it would be to see all the time like (laughs) Uh, yeah, that movies are exhausting. Like, I'm gonna <laughs> add. A, oh, <laughs> I'm gonna add a, a laugh track in right after that. For me, uh, so, yeah, because <laughs> because uh, someone's got to laugh at that. Yeah. Um, okay, so what do we think? Don't of, worry, the fans will laugh. Yeah, I, I mean they will. They will. The, we the can all laugh right now, and then and then we can just cut that in. <laughs> the bar, perfect. The folks in the barnyard, which is what we call our fans, uh, they obviously will just be riveted by that joke and. and There'll probably be a whole Reddit thread about it pretty soon. Um, so what do y'all think of Broly? Wait, wait, wait. I have a question based on okay. what you said. So having read all that stuff, so that's something I stay out of. Like I don't read scripts, original scripts. I don't look at the movies ahead. But you called it part two, and I know they've intentionally avoided naming the next one. So is that something you know or you're just calling it part two? It, that, that, that's all I know is that it's, it, it, it is part two, though. Like the idea was that this would – that these are two parts to an over like an overarching story. Um, so like, you know, that the, it's still continuing the story. It's not like the remaining Avengers then fight another villain who comes in. Thanos just lives out his years, like mm-hmm. sipping Boulder's coffee on his porch on whatever beautiful planet that is. Moisture farmer. Yeah. 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 Star Wars crossover. Uh, he, <laughs> he's actually, and uh, he's actually uncle Lars. Uh, he just I gets think he was on Naboo actually yeah. when he, oh, yeah, the end right. yeah, definitely Naboo. Uh, yeah. So that's all I know. And, and of course, like you, you haven't seen the, I mean, I don't like dive into this stuff, but I see like tweets posted that has the, the phase four of Marvel movies and we'll have all of them like, you know, and, and so obviously like those heroes need to still be alive, or I guess they could do what you said and have the new mantles be picked up, but there's just no way that's going to happen. You know, like if they have Spider-Man sequels, they're not going to have Miles Morales come in immediately or maybe they will. I don't know. I, I, I would be impressed. I, I, if that's what they I would. Yeah, I would be impressed if they did. Like if they did that, I'd be fine with that. I, I would too. Uh, that that would make this movie better to me if they like had the balls to actually let these be permanent. But they won't. Yeah. And that's what sort of. <laughs> I just what sort of undercuts the stakes. It's like when Superman shows up. You know, when he shows up in a, in a movie, like suddenly, like there's no stakes anymore because he's just all powerful, and there's so there's no there's no one's there's no drama, there's no conflict because everything will be fine. So when you know there's a, a time travel mechanism like that that was literally used seconds before to do exactly that, then you know you're it's it's hard to care. Uh, I, I found it hard to care. Like people were gasping behind me. And I was like, you, it's 
they're going to be brought back. Like I was like, yeah. just chill out. Like, yeah, you kind of know on some level what's going to happen, but you have no idea how. And it's not the destination; it's the journey, Farm Chief. It's the journey. man. Did you did you just go to the Life Is Good store or something? I stay in the Life Is Good store. <laughs> you do, I own you that do. store. Hey, bro, don't act like you weren't a little like. Uh, don't act like it didn't the, take away a little bit for me. For I'm going to give up the meme life and start putting inspirational quotes <laughs> online. You should just meme inspirational quotes instead of like funny. Yeah, start with the uh, hang in there cat poster. <laughs> <laughs> we need more cat poster memes for sure. What did you all think of Brolin's performance? Did uh, So Josh Brolin plays Thanos. Uh, he voice acted, and then he also did the mocap. Like he was on set in a giant suit, I guess. Some sort of rig, they called it. So maybe they had him like wearing something that made him emulate the size that Thanos is. He's what, like 10 or 12 feet tall or something? Um, looks like it anyway. So what did y'all think of uh, Brolin's performance? I loved it. And the second time, I loved it even more. How so? He he I, he's it's a CG fully CG character CGI character like you said, and it's uh, I don't know. I just feel like you see every emotion he does. Like you said, a CGI character crying is laughable to you, but he does it, and it's it's no more laughable to me like than when Gamora has tears streaming down her face when she's talking to Peter, and like so. I think he pulled it off really well. I think they pulled it off really well, um, and he. I don't know. I've so obviously no country for old men comes to mind when you think of Josh Brolin and that's about it for me. Like when I think of him, that's about it. And I, so now Thanos puts him in there for me too. Cause I think he acts his way through all the CGI, like his voice, his, his demeanor and everything. I loved it. Yeah. I really enjoyed his performance. I thought he did a great job balancing the, uh, being like really scary and like badass, but also like, having this side to, to him that cared about Gamora. Yeah, he was good. Uh, and, and I think Brett put it the most aptly, having to act your way through the layers of CGI is like mm-hmm. an impressive feat in itself. The fact that an actual performance came through, um, you know, in, in, in an actual performance, not just a gravelly voice to go behind a giant purple guy. Um, yeah, I mean, that, that was not, impressive. He's not, it's not like a Vin Diesel's gig for Groot, you know? Yeah. Well, and I I was trying to compare him to somebody in the, the closest I could, like somebody, so Andy Serkis has been in the game for a long time. And I think maybe Snoke is like his, the role where he has that same opportunity. And it's just, to me, Thanos is way more impressive than Snoke was in like, and I know it's, I, well, I don't know what I'm getting at here, but yeah, I, I thought they did it really well. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I, I, I agree. He, the best villains are always the ones that have motivations and have like some, some sort of vision beyond the fact that they just want to kill people. And, and also no villain thinks they're a villain. Like everyone, like it's not like, unless you're the mustache trolling dude with the, you know, tying women to train tracks, like from the forties cartoons, like mm-hmm. people, they, you know, all these, these individuals have motivations like that. They, they think they're right. Uh, and they, they think that the, the, the heroes quote unquote are the ones that they're, they're the heroes are the villains to them. The, the people that are trying to get in the way. So, I thought they brought that all across really well. Um, and the, the him and Gamora stuff was really good. Like surprisingly good. There were some surprisingly quiet moments in the midst of all these like bombastic action where they really let the characters, you know, kind of flex their muscles a little bit. Um, you know, Gamora being a Thanos' adopted daughter and they kind of go, they go back, flashback, do a little history on there, kind of show how it happened. Thanos killed half her planet and, and then kind of like took a liking to her for some reason and trained her as an assassin and and apparently loves her because he has to spoiler sacrifice Gamora a little, little bit more than halfway through the movie in order to obtain one of the stones. 
Uh, so I thought that was cool. I, I, I thought Gamora and Thanos' arc was great. I didn't expect that. Well, like, I expected them to have something, but I didn't know if it would be in this movie or part two. Uh, and they did a lot more with that. It wasn't just they had one scene where she was like, I hate you. You know, like, they had a lot going on. Like, I didn't expect them to mm-hmm. spend so much time together. Yeah, like, she cried when she stabbed him in the neck. Yeah. That was really good. Yeah, actually, you know, talking about it, there were a lot of good moments in it. Um, a lot of good, a lot of good little acting moments. So, so I, she cares for him in some regard in spite of all of that. That's crazy. Right. Uh, I was most reminded of, and this, this might be an absurd comparison, but, um, and it might just be because they're both like have shaved heads, but I, I really liked, um, I liken it to, have you all seen Apocalypse Now? There's Marlon Brando plays Colonel Kurtz, who's the villain in Apocalypse Now. He's like this deranged, uh, radical ex-colonel in the military that like s- sets up his own guerrilla, you know, force and camps out. And like, he just like sacrifices people and he just adopts this really radical mentality because he's so disillusioned with, you know, the status quo. Um, and so he has these believers that follow him and treat him like a God because he says all these radical things. Uh, and, and the Brando's performance is famous. Like y'all have heard the line, the horror, the horror that's from apocalypse. Now that's Brando's character. It, I really was reminded of that. Like he has, he's saying radical things. He's saying outrageous, like literal genocide, mass murdering, homicidal self-indulgence. But they both believe they were so right that they're almost compelling to listen to. Uh, you know, he didn't come across like a serial killer. He came across somebody that had like a vision and that made it that much more disconcerting. Mm-hmm. So to even like bring up a Brando character in the same sentence as a CGI Marvel villain is, uh, is good. Is he the best villain in the Marvel, in the MCU? I think so. Yeah, I'm trying to think of one that I would put up there against him. Killmonger is his main competition, right? And Loki, I guess. Yeah. Well, Loki, I've said it. Loki's kind of transformed into an anti-hero at this point. He hasn't done anything really villainous since the Avengers. Well, he's and that's the thing. He's just the god of mischief. Like, he's he's just doing his thing. He's He's not intending to be the most evil guy or the, the, I don't know. He's being like when your friend's just an asshole, you know, like, you know, your friend's an asshole. So when he does something asshole-ish, you're like, all right, you know, that's annoying, but like par for the course. Yeah. Okay. So who, all right. So let's talk about other characters, not Thanos. Uh, who do y'all feel got the most buckets in this movie? Who was best acted? I mean, a lot of characters, a huge cast, a uh, huge salary to pay for a huge budget to pay all the salaries of these infamous people. Uh, but who do you think stepped up their game? I mean, I'm not going to steal your answer. You're going to say Hemsworth. No, no, no. Go, you go ahead. Go with Thamesworth. I got a different one. No, I, I had a different one. I was thinking Tom Holland really stepped it up. Okay. Well, Especially part? the emotional scene uh, at the end when he said, Mr. Stark, I don't feel so good. That was good. And then he turned into gray dust. And he's like, so. I, I, I don't want to. Like, he, he was very clearly expressing he didn't want to die. And he knew he was about to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was intense. Uh, that was a very intense moment. The, definitely the most dramatic death of those when there was that montage of deaths. Uh, mostly because I think uh, Robert Downey Jr. really compliments Holland's performance because they have the whole father-son mentor-mentee relationship. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, th- the reason that scene worked was mostly because uh, Robert Downey Jr., you know, like th- he pulled it off. He pulled off like the moment where he realized literally like everything he didn't want to happen did. Like he drugged this kid into the fight and he dies. And Tony's left alive to watch this kid die right in front of him. Uh, so that was like his biggest fear in Homecoming, the Spider-Man movie. Mm-hmm. was him being drugged into these epic fights that he's not ready for yet. Um, so it was, that's true. That was a Tom Holland's good pick. Brett, what do you got? Nobody really stands out to me other than Josh Brolin and Thanos. Like 
everybody is kind of really well established as their character at this point in my mind. And it's hard for them to go outside of that. And I didn't really see anybody like Hemsworth. So you brought up Hemsworth and I think he's great. Like he's already nailed his comedic timing. Like he's been doing that for the past several movies that he's been in. So in my mind, he didn't go any crazier than that, but just the fact like Josh Brolin, I, I didn't know how that would go. And I think it went really well. So I'm going to, I'm going to give it to him. Yeah. Brolin's a good pick. Uh, I'm going to give honorable mention to Thor. I, I agree. He's nailed his comedic timing. There was a lot of that here, but I feel like this performance, he was able to flex those serious muscles again. When there's one scene in particular, when he's explaining to the guard, like they're asking about his family and he's slow. He realizes when he's telling them he's lost everyone. Like, cause you know, think about his life, like the past like year or whatever, like from his mother, dad, sister, that he had to kill his hand, you know, that he had to kill. Um, and now his entire race and brother, are, you know, we're dead an hour before that, but, uh, so everyone he's ever loved is dead. Um, he has nothing left except for himself. And as he recounts that to the guardians, you start to see him realize it. And he has this great scene where he's like, he gets more emotional than we've seen Thor. And I thought that was a, an excellent scene. And I thought Hemsworth really pulled it off after doing straight up comedy in Ragnarok. Then you get to yeah. that scene and it was awesome. Like I remember thinking about it while it was happening. I was like, this is a fucking good scene here. Um, so that was good. And I thought, I, I thought Hemsworth was probably the MVP of the movie, but uh, I'm also close behind and this is who I'm going to choose. I like Gamora a lot. Uh, a lot of those scenes could have been laughable. Those emotional scenes between Gamora and Thanos. Um, but she is able to act across a dude in a giant green suit. When you think about what she has to do, it's really impressive and deliver a performance that I thought was, you know, one of the best in the movie and, and made the stakes of the Thanos being a human character, like being, having more than just homicidal tendencies, uh, she made that happen. Like she's the reason that we, that Thanos is probably, she's the reason that Brolin's performance worked. Like his performance would not have worked without her being good too. Uh, so she was great. Um, Zoe Saldana. So, all right, well, who do you, so you brought up Thor Ragnarok. Do you think this is a continuation of Ragnarok? Like not the movie itself, but the event is this, is, is Thanos part of the mystical Ragnarok that's going on? Yeah, that also, makes sense. Do you think they're going to bring Asgard back? when they reset the universe that, that's the question is how far back would they go you know when when the i assume they're gonna use a time stone unless there's some other reset button in the mcu which wouldn't surprise me because <laughs> sometimes they get kind of lazy with their writing but there's lots uh, of parallel universes yeah. that could happen and yeah so how bad how far back do they you know do they go back to like i mean who, who are some of the other deaths like in the other movies like i can't think of, they, they rarely kill anybody but i mean do they go back and save tony's parents you Bruce know like Wayne's they, parents yeah, 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 for sure. Um, yeah, stop and stop the Joker. Yeah, I don't think we have to worry Joker. about that. Yeah, so maybe that would be that would be too much though. Uh, that would be too much. I do feel like Ragnarok is a great watch before watching this movie. Like I feel like uh, it, to watch Ragnarok then go straight into this would be the best. Like one, two, um, even better than like Black Panther. Like you, that's such a small, intimate story. That yeah, a lot of this takes place in Wakanda, but like I feel like Ragnarok to this makes more sense in terms of back to back. I wonder if they're going to have someone else take up the mantle of Thor. But he's I, Thor's still alive. I know, like if he if he passes, you know, at the end yeah. of this. I don't know. I don't know um, how it works. Well, in the comics, it's Thor Jane Foster, and that'll never happen in the cinematic universe. No, uh, hell no! If I got to watch Natalie Portman play Thor, no, uh, I know. I know. I wouldn't even watch that with Brett's eyes. <laughs> yeah, there's just no way they do that. Yeah. Who was a uh, sixth man or sixth woman of the movie? So the, the best act is a little screen time. Shuri. She was, she was probably that of uh, Black Panther too. 
Um, I thought, yeah, I, I thought she was way better in this one. I agree, but really, this one, you, yeah, really, I, she like sealed the deal for me in this one. That they chose a great actress for that part. Like, I don't know. I think her, she's like subtle in her expressions. She's not overacting in any way. So I, I really appreciated her this time around. I'm giving it to the Ebony Maw. Uh, that's who I was going to give it to, and the guy's name is um, yeah, who voices him. Uh, Tom Vaughn Lawler, who's like an Irish actor, apparently. I had to uh, IMDb him, but he does the mocap and the voice. Um, and dude, I that's why I love the first hour. Like, in fact, the opening it was the best opening for me. I was like, oh, hell yeah! Like, I think I literally did like the Marvel fanboy, like, wrung my hands. But uh, when you know, when you hear the the, it, the Marvel comes up and you hear like staticky radio distress signals of Thor's ship, uh, and then you see like it flashes in, fades in on dead bodies. And like this guy stepping over it, and he's like, "It's Ebony Maw, like preaching." I love how he was like, kind of like a Southern Baptist preacher, like telling the gospel of Thanos before they're about to kill everyone. And like, I just love that. Like, I love the idea of him like saying, "Your lives are about to be given meaning once you've met your end at the hands of the Mad Titan." Like, I, I fucking love that. So I, I agree. <laughs> like, I, I think he was a great twisted character, and I, I hated to see him go when he did. But I, I think he's dead. I guess he got uh, <laughs> blasted on an airlock, like the movie Aliens, which was referenced. In the movie, which I loved, I loved the the callback of the Spider Man being like, "Hey, have you ever seen that really yeah. old movie?" Uh, <laughs> this one made more sense. The Spidey one didn't make sense because he's I'm sorry, he's clearly a Star Wars fan. Like, so why would he say that? I didn't I didn't like I mean, that. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, in the yeah. next movie, they show him building a, a Lego Death Star. Like, yeah, he wouldn't like act like Empire Strikes Back was obscure if he was really a star. But that's a, that's a really nerdy nitpick. Um, that's the world we live in, though, Sam. Like where where teenagers think that 2001 uh, Phantom Menace is Star Wars, right? <laughs> yeah. The old ones are just they don't go back and watch them. So is that actually well, true? Yeah, I, mean, I don't know. I, I, I maybe my brother. Yeah. So my brother's 12 years old and he knows the, the he knows one, two, and three, and he's seen parts of them. And to him, that's Star Wars. He's never watched the original trilogy. Oh my gosh! Yeah, it's a shame. Jesus. Um, well, that's that's some dismal stuff. We got to move you past that to bring this down. <laughs> yeah, that's more depressing than the end of Infinity War. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it's time to award the Leonardo DiCaprio overacting award, where we champion someone in the movie who slobbers and yells, screams a lot. Uh, who who would y'all give the Leonardo DiCaprio overacting award? I want to give it to. So I'll, I'm going to break the rules again. Thor first scene when he kills Heimdall and then he kills Loki and he's like when he kills Heimdall he gives like that scream like the scream of anguish my best friend just died no! and, I get, and, yeah. and I get that but at the same time at what point do you realize you've been alive for thousands and thousands of years you've been fighting your whole life people die like was he screaming out in anguish as the all of the Asgardians around him were killed or is it just because it's Heimdall killed in front of his very eyes. Like that to me, like it's like, oh, they gotta do it. But at the same time, do they have to do it? Because he when Loki dies, he's he's muffled. I don't know if he's also giving the same scream, but his mouth is muffled at that point. And it's more yeah. And to me, that's more of a it's more of a believable, like he's full of rage and I don't know. So that yeah. one scene, but I don't fault him for it, so I'm not gonna call that one out. But Peter Dinklage, I think his entire performance was just Someone do Too a Peter Dinklage. Someone do the impression. Oh, I've got to build this hammer. <laughs> I, I can't. I can't. I can't even. Uh, yeah, that, that was weird. Stormbreaker. Yes, that's good. You've got to light the star back on fire. 
when when are people going to learn? When are directors or screenwriters or whoever makes movies going to learn that the most powerful emotions are often silence? Uh, mm-hmm. Exhibit A would be in uh, Breaking Bad. I, I hope y'all have y'all seen Breaking Bad. Both y'all I've seen the last five minutes of the series finale. Okay, uh, there's a there's a part in in one of the episodes in the last season where a person key to Walt dies, uh, and instead of yelling no. He falls to his knees in silence and falls on the ground and can't say anything because his entire world is upside down and like he can't express an emotion. Uh, and that that was way more awesome than someone yelling no, you know, like so that's mm-hmm. it's I mean, it's just classic dramatic. You know, I bet it goes back to Shakespeare days, right, of like the no, like <laughs> maybe it, I don't know, but I agreed that was kind of that was kind of dopey and certainly goofy. Pick uh, Chris Pratt, man. Like I was, as far as all the the, the actors, yeah. I was so not impressed with Pratt. Yes, uh, he was, not only was I not impressed with him, he was actively bad, uh, and I think he nearly ruined some scenes when everyone else was being awesome. He comes in and tries to like do some emotional stuff that isn't just go- being goofy and funny and witty, and like it was laughable. Like when he tries to like when he has to like shoot Gamora, like Brolin's pulling it off, Gamora's pulling it off. But but uh, Pratt's like, oh, I can't kill you. Oh. Like, I, I just I didn't buy it at all. And it was distracting. And I thought he was I thought he was bad. Um, and it, it made me realize, like, he's actually not a good actor. He's just good at doing the one thing that they cast him in for everything. And so Do good you, for him. Good for him. He's able to hide his deficiencies. But uh, yeah. And I don't want to cut me off if I'm going into your pick here. But Wanda, the WandaVision death scene. Yeah, that was that me. Oh, OK. All right. You go. OK. Talk about it. Talk about it. <laughs> Yeah, I thought uh, I thought that was mostly interpreted as overacting by me because that whole romance is still a little tough to wrap your head mm-hmm. around. Unless and, you are a big comics fan, like that's total fan service. That whole right. that relationship yeah. is total fan service because that is a huge thing. But he still acts so fan. robotic that it's like it's hard to yeah. picture him as a as a romance. I don't buy the Vision Wanda romance. One, because I feel like they haven't earned it in terms of the movies, especially in light of the fact that mm-hmm. they had multiple movies and they could have made it earned. I mean, they have one little moment in Ultron where he saves her and like he like kind of looks at her as flirty as a robot could look at and flirt with somebody. Uh, and then mm-hmm. suddenly they're kind of dating. Like suddenly they're like more romantic in Civil War. And like, like Civil it's, War, it's yeah. questionable whether they have like have, have, have been in a relationship or if they like are just flirting still. But um, I didn't really understand. Like now suddenly they're like, sneaking off and having like little secluded affairs well, even though who cares like no one cares that they date like they don't have to sneak uh, off it's technically right? illegal because he's under yeah. that's the main <laughs> that's the main reason he might be uh, too we don't know how old how old she is yeah she was like kind of purported to be like a teenager or whatever yeah but I, um it doesn't make sense they first do of have, all. They, well they do have the connection uh, they she she got her powers from the mind stone like she they're technically like on some underlying level, they're cut from the same cloth. So I think the more time it's like they incest. spend, <laughs> yeah, it's Dude. like her brother. It's like it just keeps the, getting the worse all the time <laughs> with with uh, with Quicksilver. Um, but yeah, like there there is that that you could theoretically explain their strong interaction. Yeah, I mean uh, that's true. I mean again, like that's what anytime the Marvel movies fail in some way, they can always point to some supernatural type shit and be like, oh. Well, it's because the Mind Stone, duh. And you're like, oh, okay, well, go fuck <laughs> you yourself. Idiot. But yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, like, but here's here's the reality of it. The reality is, like, he's a red dude, 
Like he's not he's not conventionally attractive, like in, in his true vision form. Uh, and, and he oh, also has no personality. Hard. So like it, there was no way any woman would be attracted to him at all. Like, especially when she's around super attractive and charismatic people. Not everybody's superficial, Sam. All right. Goes hey, deeper. No, but he has no personality either. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> like, uh, so I, I just can't, I just, I just don't buy it. Like, other than the fact that I, I guess I know it needed to happen to set up this whole emotional thing with her having to kill him in this movie. But uh, yeah, don't buy that for a second. And that scene where they're like in the, like the, the parrot, like the hotel in Prague or wherever the hell they are, like Germany, where are they? And they're like having like uh, a little, like, yeah, yeah. They're having like a little, like almost like John Cusack moment. Like it, it was, it was weird, uh, but whatever. You know, then the action kicked in and I was like, okay, hell yeah, we're back. Um, but you know, I, I like Paul Bettany, you know, like him as Jarvis. I feel like he had more personality mm-hmm. as Jarvis than he did as Vision, which doesn't yeah, make sense, right? Agree. Like he would, he was more like sarcastic as Jarvis. Well, he was full Paul Bettany. Now as Vision, he's Banner, Stark, Ultron, Vision, Mindstone. So again, right. it could be explained. Hey man, stop being a Marvel apologist <laughs> here. Uh, I can't, but, man. It's too good. Yeah. Well, anyway, uh, how how else do we feel? Do we feel who was the worst? Do we think in this movie? Let's take Dinklage out. Who do we feel like was the worst? Quill, unfortunately, I I hate that because I loved Guardians. Man, he's he's good. You were talking about Thor. Like Thor's a great movie. Black Panther's an amazing movie just because of what they did. But the space movies in in the MCU have been the ones that are like. I'm glad they went in that direction because Thor Ragnarok and both of the Guardians movies have been epic. Like they let them be super weird too. Like they mm-hmm. let them be weird, which they need to be. You know, like uh, and so I'm glad they kind of cut the reins a little bit. Yeah. Okay. They brought in Taika Waititi. <laughs> yeah. No, which, man. Where was Korg? Are you going to ask this question? He's dead. Man, he dead. He gone. Is he? And is Valkyrie gone too? We have to assume so, right? Yeah, I saw her. She's oh, dead. really? Yeah, oh, she was in the pile of bodies. Man, it's really, okay. it's really funny that they cat like they literally hired her to come on set for one day and be a dead body. <laughs> that, and it makes it almost makes Ragnarok seem like wow, what a dark Ragnarok now seems like such a dark movie. How they're like set up for this ultimate death. Like mm-hmm. there's like a constant. They went like, through all that just to die. Right. Like, a few minutes later. Literally, like like, like like literally a few minutes later. Yeah, right. I'm, I'm right. Yeah, exactly. That's, That's really it's like so teaching your kids lessons day by day. Uh, you never know when the, a tad Titan's going to come commit genocide. Uh, all right. So what are you? So let me do the Nick Cage question. I feel like we got to. If you could replace any character here with Nick Cage, who would it be and why? I think I know where a couple of you might go, but go ahead. I just Obviously, want to hear you we have to do Thanos. <laughs> I want to see Nick Cage with a big purple head and say, I have to kill half of you to save all of you. <laughs> <laughs> I got to do it. My, my world was destroyed. Everyone Don't was try and stop me. I'm Nick Cage. Uh, what about you, Brett? It's hard to do because he's already in the Marvel Universe, you know? So he's either go- showing up as Ghost Rider or we got to just forget that that happened. No, but they're, eventually they've, they're, they've cast everybody. Eventually they're going to start rehashing characters. All Hell, right, uh, Mantis. Peter Dinklage was, uh, was uh, in X-Men. Uh, he, he was in a Marvel oh, movie. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. was Nick Senator. Cage's Mantis. Yeah. Nick yeah. Cage's Mantis. That's what I want to see. Wait, who? Especially Mantis. Oh, yeah, uh, that, that would be good. Every time she goes like this. <laughs> oh, man, that would be ridiculous. Um, I, I would like Nick Cage. I would like Nick Cage as uh, Ebony Maw. I think he'd have Mr. been a good Ma. Ebony Maw. Yeah, uh, I think like he he kind of looked. You just barely had to put any makeup on him. 
and and have him stand there with his his hands like this and if they like sh- shave the top of his head but left the rest of his hair like long yeah. right right and they had him play that anymore uh, that'd be great final thoughts overall score uh one to four barns you can use decimal points and then you can decide whether or not to set him on fire after that i'm gonna go first uh, i give infinity war avengers a three barns two of which are on fire uh it's not quite perfect and it might get better upon repeat viewings, but right now, it didn't earn a perfect score to me. There's still better Marvel movies. Given it 3.5, Barnes, 3, Burning. Okay. I had a good time. I love that movie. I did have a good time. I walked out of it. I, w- I enjoyed it. Uh, the end, kind of like with the Mind Stone, kind of bothered me, but that was just me. It bothered me. I mean, I realized like not everyone's going to freak out about that, but it did bother me a lot. Uh, and so, yeah. What about you, Brett? Uh, I had given it six uh, barns burning bright, but then Thanos snapped his fingers, and now there's only three burning barns. Oh. Wow. <laughs> oh. Uh, on the billboards, I mean, you gave him three billboards, I believe. Uh, <laughs> three billboards on the Those fire. happen to be outside of Ebbing, Missouri, too. Um, yeah. So, uh, so I got to think of a way for you not to make up something stupid for that. Uh, and, Good luck. <laughs> Uh, well, rewatchability. Uh, this is a buy on Blu-ray, rent on iTunes. Happen to catch on HBO, or you might not ever watch it again. Buy on Blu-ray. Yeah, same. I'm gonna watch it as many times in theaters as possible so that I don't feel the urge to buy it on Blu-ray. I, I, I'm gonna see it again too. I, I I think this is one that gets gonna get better with every watch, and apparently it it, it has at least yeah. for Brett's second viewing because there's just so much going on, uh, and it, it had a little bit too much to do, it had too many characters to service, but. They did the best job they could. It's as good as it could have been. Like, it don't, like I can't think of anything that I would have done different. Maybe the English casting, uh, maybe make Chris Pratt a better dramatic actor. <laughs> but obviously, like, you know, like everyone was as good as they could be, I guess. And so maybe that, you know, I, like it, it was good. Like, it feels good to be satisfied, right? Like this could have been so shitty. Mm-hmm. Okay. Anyone got any closing thoughts on Avengers Infinity War? Just can't wait to see, uh, what they got up their sleeves with Hawkeye and Ant-Man predictions oh, for part. Maybe they won't be Hawkeye and Ant-Man when they come back, but he's going to be giant man. Yeah. Giant man. And then, well, Clint, there's a point, there's a, a point in the comics where Clint is Goliath. Who's also a giant man too. Yeah. And he's also Ronan. And when they relaunch the Avengers, this is the part that maybe is where it's all connected because the Avengers saw were disbanded and then they came back as the Avengers and then civil war happened, all this stuff. But Clint comes back as Ronan and I want to see that happen. But I'm not sure there's Ronan, lots of... the accuser, a different no. <laughs> yeah. named Ronan. Yeah. Ronan with an eye. What do y'all think is going to happen in part two? If you're, if you had a prediction. They're going to go after Thanos, I guess it's going to be a mission of revenge. They're going to follow Dr. Strange's orders. Cause he's seen all this happen. Well, he's he's like dead. He, well, but he had I, he sent a Dark mind. Gone. He's got to be connected mystically with some other people. So, like, I think Wong knows what happened. I think Adam Warlock plays a role because in the comics, Adam Warlock is huge as part of the Infinity, either Gauntlet or War. I don't know which. Um, so, I think he connected with lots of all the mystic beings, especially at the end of Guardians of the Galaxy 2 when the Ravagers are reuniting as the team. Like, <laughs> Sly Stallone, we still got to see what happens with him. Well, that's Guardians <laughs> Part 3. That's that's already in production. Like, that movie's yeah. going to come out. Yeah. Uh, so, so, I figured they, 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 they tackled that. 
Yeah, Freddie, what are you doing, dog? The dog is attacking me. Oh. <laughs> he, he wants to play. He can't. He can't. He's be got his own predictions. Yeah, <laughs> got to get him out there. Yeah, cannot be stopped. Uh, what do y'all think about Thanos? Do y'all think Thanos is like not like he doesn't want to fight anymore? Do we think he's like kind of a pacifist now because his mission's accomplished? And now he's yeah. I don't. Like, I don't think he's. When the pictures roll up on him. Is he just gonna like protect himself but not fight or what? I think he's gonna protect what he's done. It's like when he knows that it's their intention to reverse what he did, he's gonna fight them. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think I think there's also there's an opportunity for a big flip there because he he's accomplished his mission. A lot of people are gonna be pissed off at him. Like the whole universe is could potentially be pissed off at him now. And the gauntlet is damaged, so either like something's gonna happen with that. So like the stones might go haywire and it's he's gonna have to help who's left like fix it because it wasn't his intention to do anything besides kill off half the universe. So like maybe the time zone flips out on its own and reverses everything and he's gotta go help them stop him from doing it in the first place. Like I hope it's so some much, weird shit like that. There's yeah. so much that could happen. But because of that. It's gonna be like the most conventional thing ever though, right? Like <laughs> No, it can't be. I mean, you know, they're they're going to go get the, they're going to go fight him, get the time some back, reverse time, and then stop him. Like, How can you say no. that with no. when they've subverted everything else we thought was going to happen? But it's fake yeah. subversion. It's it's not real <laughs> subversion. Like because maybe they maybe they want you to think that. If they, I mean, if they do that, if they like well, M Night Shyamalan my ass, and that's fine. But as of now, it's it, you know, it's all fake subversion. Wesley like, because, Snipes mm. is going to return as Blade and save the universe. <laughs> that's fine with me. Uh, and I want Steven Dorff as like the weird like rocker vampire like uh, with the <laughs> earring too. But, all right, so what about Captain Marvel? Uh, like, why where's she been all this time, and why we'll hasn't she out, helped? I guess. Why didn't she help with I Ultron? That'll be explained. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's like your how? Superman that you were talking about. Superman comes in and saves the day. Everybody thinks that that Captain Marvel is just gonna come like fix everything. But, uh, yeah. Captain Marvel's not that strong. Mm-hmm. She's strong, but not that strong. Binary is. She's, Uh, I I don't know, like she's either off actually doing something else in space, like for Fury, and that's why he had that wonky pager that he had for her. It's like a direct. Why didn't he pager in New York when aliens were attacking? Why didn't he pager when Ultron was about to blow up the whole entire planet? Like that just doesn't make sense, you know? Uh, Even if there's a throwaway line in the movie where they're like, oh, well, that. Do you remember when Ultron was happening and you were off there in that planet? Like, do you remember when this was happening and you were there? Like, fuck that. Like, that that would take precedence. Then, like, Earth surviving would take precedence over whatever she was doing. And if he has the means to page her, he would have already done that. Yeah, but if she's on another planet, there might, like, wouldn't be a good way for her to get back in time for all those events. Mm-hmm. I thought she could just, like, morph back. Can't she, like, No, no, she's not a teleporter. No. Oh. She's faster than a speeding bullet. That's about it. But, I mean, oh, okay. bullet, a bullet's could- not fast enough. She's going to she's gonna circle the Earth a thousand times and reverse its spin so that it goes back in time to stop all this. From she, also, she also a reporter uh, yeah. and wears glasses and suddenly... If that happens, I'm leading a boycott, boycott on NCU. Burning, <laughs> burning Marvel Studios down. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, well, okay. So we, we've talked. We've talked for a while. Uh, we, we like the movie. Definitely go see it. Definitely go see it on the biggest screen with the best sound possible. It's a popcorn type movie. We'll have a good time. Uh, So thanks for listening, everyone. This has been another episode of In the Can, which is the Barnburner Podcast Network movie podcast. This is The Chief. I'm here with Kansas City Brett and Sweaty Freddy. 
and uh, and we're we're happy that you joined us, and we look forward to doing more movies. Uh, go see Marvel's Avengers: colon, Infinity War, owned by Disney, and all these different corporate subsidiaries. Uh, so, peace out, everyone. <laughs> see y'all later. See ya. Bye. you